Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. Welcome back, Novello Nation, to another episode of the Aaron Novello Podcast. We have with us the pride and joy of Hoboken and Jersey City, uh, John Scipioni and Kiro Nasrallah. Yes, nailed that. And uh, of, of Lighthouse Residential, 79 million uh, year-to-date close and pending in volume, 70, 170 plus transactions, over two plus million dollars in GCI. Appreciate you guys taking the time to be with us here today. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having yeah. us. Absolutely, man. So uh, first and foremost, I always like to bring people to the platform that I feel could add tremendous value. And I know you guys can definitely do that. And if you could, for the audience, share with them kind of how you got into real estate, because I'm aware you guys weren't always together on the team. Sure. Uh, So been licensed 15 years. I've really only been a full-time agent uh, just about five years now. Prior to that, I was working in real estate finance, uh, Manhattan, with a private equity firm, uh, raising money for developers, you know, putting together uh, acquisitions, that sort of thing. And always had my license and was doing transactions part time. And eventually, you know, uh, got totally overwhelmed with the amount of uh, options and opportunities that uh, decided about five years ago to full to go full time. Uh, so I had my own brokerage for a number of years, and uh, Kira and I met just about two, two and a half years ago. Yeah, and you know, both shared a lot of common ideas, and you know, around uh, you know prospecting and and you know doing more by you know building a small team and and uh, you know sort of came from the same background uh, as far as coaching goes and you know, banging the phones, prospecting, that sort of thing, and uh, shared a lot of common interests. So it only made sense for us to, to partner up and, and figure out a way to do more, and, you know, with the two of us combined. Together. That's awesome. So essentially private equity first, and then transitioned into residential resale brokerage. How about you, Kiram? Yeah. Um, so I was fortunate enough to go to the number one worst high school in Jersey City, which is the neighborhood I was born and raised in. Um, and they had a co-op program. So at uh, 17 or 18, I was going to school half a day and then working at an accountant's office for the other half. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to meet multimillionaires who were you know, killing it, driving Porsches and nice exotic cars to the office to uh, handle their accounts. And the one common thing they had was all real estate. So you know, my senior year of high school, I was looking into it like crazy, started day trading, thinking that it would be a good idea to save up money for real estate. Got my license at 18 and was just like, I'm going to buy property now and didn't realize that property wasn't cheap uh, or it isn't cheap. It's expensive. So yeah. uh, worked into sales and got into it from there. Skip and I, we uh, we clicked right away um, when we met. Same mindset of kind of trying to grow things, um, financial freedom kind of aspect of it. Um, and it just, it just worked out naturally. 
That's awesome, brother. It's so interesting to hear you share that story where uh, being motivated coming from a particular environment and being very motivated by exposure uh, to have resources. Um, I'm aware that uh, I always used to read books around real estate. They had a tendency to gravitate towards it. So I figured what better way to learn about that vehicle than to help people buy and sell it. So very much so in the same vein, ultimately with the intention to raise capital to be able to do the investing thing. So that's awesome. That's a common theme that I see regularly amongst those that uh, take it to the next level. So then I'm wondering, because it sounds like you guys were both doing your own thing, like what caused you to look at each other, even though, you know, you kind of vibed and were like, okay, you know, you're a cool guy. I'm a cool guy. Like what caused you to be like, Hey, let's create a company together. Do you want to answer that? So I think we've probably both would answer that differently. Um, I think I'm just a systems maniac or I try to be. And uh, Kiro's younger. And I saw a guy who was just an absolute shark on the phone. Um, just, you know, I, I guess that's sort of how we got started. Like we would, you know, both, both sort of do our own thing, our own deals Monday through Thursday. And then Fridays, we're like, let's get together and start prospecting together, right? Because prospecting is lonely and, you know, you want to make it fun and, and different. So we would start prospecting together. And then, you know, while doing that, we would just share a lot of different ideas. So I think what we brought to Kiro or, or what my fire, my former company brought to Kiro was maybe some more systems and some more like, um, you know, processes. And then, you know, what Kiro brought to the, to the table was just an overwhelming amount of energy. Uh, this guy is like, you know, back in the day when we would have a room filled with five or six people prospecting, this guy would be standing on the table screaming and getting everybody pumped up and, you know, affirmations in that. So the two of us, and that's not me. So the two of us, you know, together sort of brought together like a system, a process, and, and, and really to create that environment for other agents, right? Like that was something I always felt like my agents were lacking, right? They were, they were lacking that sort of energy and enthusiasm because I'm kind of the guy who just comes in, puts my head down and goes to work. And, and we needed that. And, and that, that's sort of what we were missing. So uh, I think Kiro filled, oh, thank you. filled a big role there. I know that. I know. Awesome. <laughs> See that? It's, it's a bromance, bro. It's awesome. So, and I'm curious, Kiro, from your perspective, so you heard from John, from your yep. perspective, is that in alignment with what was true for you? Or is that any different as far as what caused you guys to, to partner so, up? because of the, um, so like I didn't finish college, right? So I only was in there for a semester. I learned how to, my grandpa used to always have a saying where it says, you know, money comes and goes, but people are forever. And if it costs you a couple bucks to learn somebody, then it's worth it. Um, so the way that John would be talking about the people around him. So like, for instance, staff or, um, employees and saying, you know, I want to make her a millionaire. I want to make her a millionaire. Like I want to be able to achieve her wildest dreams. Those kind of things tell you a lot about a person so that you know that when you have the same kind of goal in mind, that integrity and that kind of way that they approach the thing, you can actually take it a whole nother level completely with that person. So that's what I was the most excited about. That's interesting. So the thing that you were, uh, I'm just taking notes as we're speaking, like what, what comes to the surface is two things is one is kind of the technical component, right? Of what we do, which I know both of you are very good at. There's also a systems component uh, of what we do and you can only grow to the proportion that your systems will allow you to. Yep. So those two things, married together can accomplish something that's really great. The other thing I think is interesting is that it sounds like from you, Kiro, uh, it's not as though one's better than the other, but based on what you shared is that it was more like a character thing, which was like, hey, this is somebody who not only understands the game in the same way that I understand it, uh, at the same time, their values are in alignment with mine. Yeah. 
there's a very short list of what we're willing to sacrifice in order to achieve our goals. Right. So it's like that list is very small. So we're, we're willing to do anything it takes to get where we want to, you know, where we see it going. So that's yeah. what's exciting about it too. That's awesome, man. That's great. It's very good guidance and advice entering into any sort of partnership or relationship is get very clear on what the values are first, make sure they're in alignment. Right. So um, the next thing that I wanted to ask you a question about is that you guys have done something. So, so you partnered up, you know, you're doing deals, you're, you're banging, uh, doing technical work, working on systems, and that got you to a certain level. And then you guys started to, uh, you know, explore this idea of leverage through virtual assistants. So talk to me a little bit about that evolution, how that come about, why was that important? Sure. So uh, I think I've been fortunate enough to just sort of like, like study the models of, of some other top producing teams, right? And I think one of the first things that we've always learned was that, you know, once, once you get to that certain point, I, I for, you know, depends how many numbers of uh, transactions you do a deal, but I guess everybody's different. But at some point, let go of the buyers, right? Hires, hire a buyer's agent, leverage a buyer's agent. Buyers take more time, hire a buyer's agent to handle all of the buyers. So I sort of look at it that way. And then we got to a certain point where we said, you know what, um, some of these other top producing teams were really, really diving into uh, virtual assistants. So I remember uh, looking back, um, I had hired my, my first virtual assistant on Upwork, which was probably about five years ago. And ironically, that's the same one of the, the, our top guy right now. He's been with me for five years. So it's, yeah, it's, you know, what's really cool about it is like, you know, a lot of times people think of it as just, oh, you're hiring somebody and there's no relationship there. It's just, hey, get these things done one through 10 and, um, you know, get back to us when you're done. But this guy I hired five years ago, he's been with us um, for, for a long time, obviously. And, and uh, he shows up every day. I don't think he's, I think he's taken like two sick days, maybe in five years. Um, but every day he emails me at 7 a.m. And he's like, ready to go, sir. You know, ready to roll. And like they come to work every day, ready to roll. So a, a quick, funny, funny side note is that he um, started with me. And, you know, I was I think we had him starting by by calling, you know, outbound calling. And I actually had to let him go at one point. He was producing a lot of leads and, and, and making a lot of dials and making a lot of connections, but I literally couldn't keep up with him. You know, I would come in in the morning and he'd be like, sir, I, I made 10 connections yesterday. And I'd be like, well, shit, I don't know. I'm so scarce, but he'd be like, shit, you know, I'm out of people to call who, what else can I do? And I'm like, well, I got to do my own stuff. I don't have time to, you know, create a plan for you too. So it got to the point where I was just overwhelmed and, and eventually I, you know, became a better manager and learned from the experience and, and was able to go and, and uh, you know, bring him on full time again. And, and from there we've added uh, about eight other virtual assistants. Some do calling, some do just, we, we, we either say verbal or nonverbal uh, meaning verbal or obviously speaking with people outside of our office and speaking with our office. Uh, and then nonverbal is just like, Hey, here's an assignment database driven, you know, data mining driven, that sort of thing. Yeah. I love that. So I'm taking notes here and I heard a few things like one is a mindset shift. So I know in our work together, John, that's something that we work on on a regular basis, because no matter where I am on the rung of the ladder of like ascension, 
of what I'm trying to accomplish, the next rung is usually like a mindset shift that needs yeah. to happen, a skill that I need to develop or a character trait I need to develop. Right. Yeah. And um, one of the kind of initial mindset shifts for you is like, okay, the buyers is not a super leveraged activity. So if I want to get more leveraged, I need to be listing based and outsource buyer sites. Cool. And now the next kind of piece to that is like, oh, well, what if I could create leverage as far as breaking apart what Kiro and John do every day? So meaning yeah. I could physically be the one that's banging and we can do that. I tell people all the time, it's like, look, if you guys are the generals, you're, you're directing, right? What's happening. But if you need me to get in battle, I'm going to hop on a horse with a sword and I can go right into the front. You know what I mean? Like I can do that. Right. Yeah. But it's just creating leverage uh, for yourself. So that mindset shift. And then the second thing you say, which is interesting, which I want you to expound upon a little bit is this idea of models. So one of the things we've talked about regularly, you know, in our time together is like, there's a model that's very high in time, excuse me, high in profit, lower in time right? Percentage-wise in profit. And then there's another model that's maybe lower percentage-wise in profit, but it's much, much higher in time. So you yep. guys looked around and said like, wait a minute, if as far as a model is concerned, because it's dependent upon what I want. So what was it that caused you guys to be like, wait a minute, like this is cool. I want this. So therefore we need to create, we, we need to be operating under a different model. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it happened once, uh, John's very vocal when he's prospecting. So he was always just cursing a storm, like goddamn voicemails and fax machines. And we were just sitting down and we had just finished like hearing a, uh, a podcast where it was talking about your hourly worth, right? And how you value your time. And, you know, at the end of the day, what you're doing all this for, right? You're trading your time for money. So you better be trading it for something worthwhile, right? Are you getting your money's worth? Yeah, yep. exactly. So it kind of sparked up where just like, you know, John was like, oh, I have this guy that's making calls for me and he filters through. So I don't have to listen to voicemails. I'm like, what if we did that with everybody? And he's just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> and well, you just started cooking. Yeah. Like, like just like take the average deal, right? In our market, average commission checks, $12,000, right? Let's just to use round numbers. Let's just say the amount of time you spend on that deal is 12 hours, right? From the prospecting, from, from finding the lead, prospecting, listing appointment, conversations with the seller, negotiations, let's just say 12 to, to use round numbers. So you're effectively making $1,000 an hour, which is, you know, a few years ago was an, an amazing thing to hear, right? It's still amazing actually today. But so we're just saying, wow, if I'm just focusing on the listings, you know, I'm making a thousand bucks an hour, but how? So then all of a sudden now you second guess everything that you do. If I'm not making a thousand dollars an hour doing that, I shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, and that right. comes from like painting your house to, you know, cleaning up your apartment, whatever it is. So we started saying, well, shit, our time is too valuable to be on the phone, listening to busy signals, listening to people cursing you out and saying, this is not me or whatever. And we started saying, well, what if there was a way where somebody could sort of scrub the numbers and go through and yeah. say, which ones are real, right? And that was sort of the initial like aha moment. We're like, yeah. And I don't want people to hear you. Like, uh, it's not as though like you're better than that, you know, uh, right. as far as like your dollar value, it's just recognizing and beginning to value your time Yeah. where you realize that your highest and best use is in a different activity because it's a more uh, skilled activity where yeah. plowing through and kind of seeing who's real. That's not necessarily a skilled activity. The skilled activity comes in when somebody raises their hand and then Kiro gets on the phone 
and has a conversation with them, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. where the skill is implemented. The way I like to describe this to people is like uh, when you go to the doctor's office, there's a value chain. You know, the doctor doesn't greet you at the door, right? Who, who greets you? Receptionist. What's the first question they ask you, Kira? Um, your name. Yep. And then what's the second question? How are you doing? Yep. Yeah. He's, he's a skilled <laughs> professional. What they're going to ask you is, is how are you going to pay for this? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Immediately. And then you're like, yep, it's cash or it's this. And then what do they do? They hand you a clipboard. Yeah. What's on the clipboard? Questions. To fill in your information. Yeah. And what are they doing? Pre-qualifying. Where does it hurt? How long does it hurt? How have you have a history of a hurting? Have you changed your diet? Like, have you traveled outside the United States? Like all these questions, right? Then you hand the clipboard back and then you wait. Then yeah. do you see the doctor? Nope. You get the physician's assistant. They come back, yeah. you pee in a cup, they bang on your knee, right? They ask you, they look at the questions real quick. What brings you in? You answer. They're like, great. The doctor be in a minute. That's a lie. Yeah. You wait another 30 yeah. minutes. <laughs> then the doctor blows in, grabs a chart, looks at you, says, what's up, Kiro? How you doing? You're, you're in for, uh, it looks like you're, you don't, you're not feeling well. He or she touches your throat. That's a bill. They look in your eye. That's a bill. You go, eh, that's yeah. a bill. And then they give you a script and they say, hey, I want to see you back here in two weeks. See how you're doing. Have a nice day. They do that 20 times a day. And those yeah. 20 times, those 10 minutes that they're with you in that room, that pays for the rent, pays for all the staff, pays to store all of the files, and it creates a profit. Yeah. So it's just recognizing that there's a value chain in everything that we do. And you guys, that light bulb went off and you're like, wait a minute, we're like, and even though I say this, I, I, <laughs> whenever my wife hears me saying this, she's like, Aaron, you're not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, babe, I'm a doctor selling, man. I got a PhD in selling. And you right? think like a doctor. Right. But I'm thinking like value chain wise. Yeah. So you guys, a light bulb went off. You're like, wait a minute. The analogy is, is them kind of checking to see who is a real number or not. That's like physician's assistant work. Yeah. yeah. And then when they raise their hand, then the doctor comes in. Yep. I can help you. Right. And then the next level to that, which we're working on is, you know, maybe training some people who can also be doctors on your behalf. And then you own the kind of system. Right. So I'm wondering as far as uh, getting this off the ground. So you, you shared with me, you started with one and that's expanded to a whole group. So talk me through like the mistakes that you made. Cause I know that those are super valuable. I know a lot of people like to lead with like, ah, I did this and it's awesome. Usually we mess it up and that's how we get really good at it. So what were the mistakes that were made as you were building this thing out? We could do a whole podcast just on mistakes. Yeah. They're too painful to remember sometimes. <laughs> um, I would say it's, it's, you know, you have to remember every, we started first with just having outbound callers, right? So you have to add a person to the dialer. Then you have to add, you know, then you have three people to the dialer. Then your, your mind goes to, well, these people, this is getting expensive now. And these people better actually be performing. Yeah. I'd say the biggest mistakes early on were just not having enough phone numbers for them to call. Uh, you know, I think we had VAs years ago. So our, our city that we're in, as you know, is pronounced Hoboken. I remember we were like six months into it and we realized they were saying like Hobakian. They're saying the wrong town, like six months into it. Yeah. And we're like, oh, wow. But we still got a lot of leads. This is weird. So it must not really matter what. <laughs> specifically you say sometimes, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's more about how you say it. Yeah. So I would say mistakes, lack of training. Um, then we added a role play. So they used to just jump on the phone 
And instead we're like, hmm, we role play in the morning. Why don't they? So we started a role play at 7 a.m. And thankfully, Kiro um, was the guy who jumped on every day with them at 7 a.m. You know, and then uh, so making sure that they were trained, making sure that they were saying the right things, making sure they had phone numbers, um, a million lessons to be learned about, like, you know, some of the infrastructure stuff. Yeah. So it's um, I would say the most painful part is uh, investing time in training. Um, because that's, you're wasting majority of your time doing that. And if it doesn't work out, it sucks. Um, very rarely will you find a VA who is looking for a career versus looking for a check by the end of the weekend and they'll figure out what's going to happen next. So we've been fortunate enough where we got quality people who, you know, once five years, once two years, um, a couple more are, you know, almost a year in, um, we've, we went through a bunch and it's just not having minimum standards initially and not being clear on the vision walking into it. Um, at the end of the day, this is supposed to benefit our clients and make their life easier because we connect with them faster, right? We're able to focus more on negotiating their contracts instead of listening to fax machines and voicemails and whatever the case it is. So the more important things are being spent on time spent on them. Um, so just trying to train everybody and figuring out that, you know, Developing a skill level has to be a mutual interest. You can't force somebody to develop a skill level that's there's no desire to have it. Um, so you know we we I you know we went in as far as trying to go all crazy teaching them NLP scripts, going through every single you know outcome, you know level shifting, changing every little kind of thing within the confines of what they're legally able to say. Um, so that was definitely a struggle um, because if you're thinking about several hundred transactions, you can't do that with several hundred VAs. And if you need to transition a lot of them, sometimes you need to have a scalable approach. And that's what makes it so much easier. I have a bad tendency of complicating the hell out of it because I'm like, no, 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 no. Like they need to know how to do X, Y, and Z. And John's just like, no, 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 dude, they just need to make a call. I'm like, okay, good. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. So, so I think it's, it, it's, you know, we got really in depth and saying, oh, these people should call this source and this people should, should these people should call this source. At the end of the day, what we're doing now is just people having basic conversations. Yep. Are you considering a sale of your property, um, you know, within the, the confines of what we're allowed to say and not say? And then if they raise their hand effectively, yep. then they're transferred to a licensed agent um, and we take it from there. So it's, yeah. it's yeah. we've complicated it, but we've come back to the basics. I love that. So it sounds like I'm just taking notes as you guys were speaking. One thing you said, Kira, which is interesting, is like there's a difference I was listening to something by Nick Saban, which whether you like him or hate him, he's uh, one of the best coaches like on planet earth ever. And he said something, there's a difference between spending time and investing time. That's super interesting. And when I said that to both of you, I, I can see you, which is cool because I can see you guys both nodding your head is that investing time is totally different than just spending time. So what you were doing with these VAs on that, those role play calls is you're investing in them. You're investing time, energy, effort, resources, and what you're doing is you're attempting to, like if our bodies are the hardware, our brains are the software. So what you're trying to do is download. Unfortunately, I, we don't have a chip now, like in the matrix where I could just click it in and I could put it into your head and you're like, I know Kung Fu. Like, nope, that's not how it works. <laughs> yes. Like I have to download it to you. And that downloading process currently is very, very slow. Like who knows in the future, maybe we'll be able to like touch heads and like, boop, like it'll just pop in there. Yeah. But right now that's what you're doing by investing time. You're trying to download your software to them 
right? So, so you took the time to invest the time. The other thing I think that's super valuable for people is this idea that like our tendency is to overcomplicate, right? It's to make it like so intricate, so detailed. And we have to remember, like, it's not like we're getting like super duper top tier, like, you know, fancy, you know, the idea is, is I, I remember somebody, I think it was in the E-Myth where he was saying that like McDonald's doesn't make the best burger. Yeah. They don't like, we could both name burgers in your neck of the woods, my neck of the woods that are just way better. What they've done though, is they've created a system and made it so systematized that you can hire minimum wage people and you get the same result every single time. Yeah. Right. So it's more about like creating that system that produces the outcome. So instead of like overcomplicating it. And then the, the third thing I wrote down is that it was just like, it's kind of a dichotomy. So even though we tried to make it complicated, but we just did it. And then uh, we didn't have like an onboarding process. We didn't have a training process. Like we didn't have things set up. So that leads me to my next question. If you guys were going to make a blueprint. So if somebody came to you like, Hey, you guys have this team of VAs. I think it's awesome. It's great. If there was a blueprint or a map from somebody doing this from scratch, what would you propose or suggest? Like five steps. So one thing I'll throw out there just, just to touch upon in this part of the blueprint, the spending time versus investing time. Um, and I just remembered what we, what we try to do is hire a few VAs at the same time or bring them on as like a training class, right? Or a pledge class, right? Not that we're hazing them, um, but it's an initiation, right? So if we're going to invest time, we should be investing time with five candidates at the same time, right? Because what happens is so many times people have been, oh my God, this is great. I, I'm so excited to work with you guys. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Next day, gone. And you're like, what happened? So like as Kiro said, you invest a lot of time and then sometimes people don't ever come back. So some blueprint ideas, uh, if you're going to invest the time, I would try to find a few candidates to invest it with simultaneously yep. so that, you know, it's a numbers game like anything else. If it doesn't work out with one or two of them, at least it's worked out with, you know, the balance. Yep. Uh, the one thing I'll say is this, um, you'll, you'll, you'll have it set up when you have it planned first. You can't just run into it. Um, one thing that came out vividly clear. So I think the one benefit for John and I is I'm so focused on the vision that's there, but when we put it on paper and then it's like kind of interactive, then it's like, Oh, it becomes very clear. Um, create your org chart. And then when you create your org chart, start from the top bottom, don't work your way from the bottom up because then you're just going to be miserable. For example, you can't hire a VA, just somebody making calls and then now start looking for somebody to manage them and then start looking for somebody who's calling them. You need to start with the up and have them hire everybody else to have that person find the resources that you need because that person becomes irreplaceable, right? But then if you start from the bottom up, you're starting with people who could be replaceable and you're investing that time when you can invest it in a higher worth uh, position first. That would be key. Uh, and second of all, the um, track your numbers. I unfortunately tracked the numbers way too late. Um, John was hounding on me and I was just like, nah, I already know my numbers. It's in my, it's in my head, it's mental math track the numbers. And then when we had everything in black and white, you could indicate where all the problems are with the system. So you know that their, their dialers are incorrect and they're being marked as spam likely because everything keeps upgrading. You know that the lists that they're calling are garbage and that the sources need to change. You know that this VA is probably sending over crap and then, you know, you're, yeah. 
you need to get rid of that person. Um, and it helps you recognize the people who deserve the recognition for it. You know, we always knew the ROI was great, right? Like we were investing this time with the VAs, training them, teaching them, having them do things, yeah. but we didn't know the exact numbers. We knew what it could be, but recently we just sort of made, you know, we hired a VA manager who sort of makes sure that they show up, make sure that they work a full day, make sure that they're actually working on what they supposed, they're supposed to. We're slowly getting into uh, Angel's model of, of quality insurance, making sure they're saying what they're supposed to say, uh, screening their calls. Um, but now we have a very good understanding of who's performing and who's not. And you know, what each seat on the team costs. And if, uh, you know, if they're not adding value, then, you know, we have to have a conversation with them. Yeah. Um, Love that. Few, so, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I wrote down a few things, right? One is yeah. multiple candidates. So if I'm going to be investing the time, I have to be investing it in multiple people just to see what shakes out. Two, Kira, I think that's awesome, which is that you actually start from the top down, not the bottom up which is what most people do, right? In anything, they hire the lowest because they're they're uh, being in Spanish, it's tacaño, they're being cheap. So they want to hire the, the least amount of people, like the least expensive people first, and then try to fill that up versus doing yep. the opposite, which actually is much more efficient in the long run. Yep. And uh, track the numbers. So you know everything that's going on, right? And then accountability, in the form of a manager or in the form of technology that helps you to hold people accountable. So what's really interesting, what, what, as you're talking to me, like what comes up for me is what you guys are doing is, is you're building like a virtual call center. It's essentially what we're doing. And what I'm aware of is that by itself can be white labeled. So what I mean by that is you can do that and it serves your business, but then you can also, because you know how to do it or you grow it big enough, it can start to serve other people's businesses. There's other people that I know who have done that, but they did it in the physical world, right? Where they have physical call center and they uh, built it to such a degree that it served their business, but then it's, they started to allow other people to have access to it for a fee. Yep. Uh, you can do that, which is interesting is this idea of doing it virtually. Yeah. 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 Which is super cool. So then I guess I'm curious, like, what's the vision of this? So like two years from now, three years from now, where do you see this? So you're at eight now, like, do you, is your intention to go to 16 to go to 20? Like, what's the goal and objective here? Um, it's, it's interesting because the market's changing so much. And, you know, I guess Lighthouse started for the simple fact that we believe that the brokerage model is dead in a way. Um, and, Right now, the only person when all these competing companies come up that loses is really the end user, the client, right? Um, they're the ones that suffer. So it's a company that doesn't train well or whatever the case it is. So when we have this kind of machine, it's like an asset that if the growth of it really is dependent on how much we want to press the gas, right? Because we're setting it up in a way where it can grow as a cancer on its own and we don't have to do anything. Um, but then it's, it just really depends on how much we want to push onto it. Um, I think that with the way that we have it set up, the idea is to get it to 10 callers and that'll be team one. Um, and once it's team one, we need to make sure that the whole infrastructure inside of the team is able to support that so that, you know, customer quality, you know, customer service doesn't decrease um, and then kind of grow with that and just double up as much as possible. And if anything happens in the real estate market, it can turn into just, you know, resale, uh, you know, purchasing flip or wholesale, whatever the case it could be. So yeah. we're not limited by the market. So that makes you know, sense. The other thing I'm learning too is 
I mean, I've been using Upwork as you, as I've said, like about last five years, but, and there's, there's plenty of other freelance sites, but it, now it's just got me thinking that anytime I want to do something rather than me having to learn how to do it, I can just go on there yeah. and at a reasonable price. It sounds like I'm doing a commercial for them, but it's uh, like, like for instance, see my affiliate link. <laughs> see link below. Yeah. Uh, we've been using follow-up boss for two years, yeah. two, three years. I still don't think we use it the most effectively and efficient, efficiently way possible. So I literally just went on there over the weekend and posted an ad. It was like, I want somebody to build out our follow-up boss program, uh, action plans the right way or add more or have certain ones for leads. And, you know, and I had eight inquiries, you know, and people willing to build out our action plans for, between five and ten dollars an hour. Yeah. Now, so, here's my question to you: Is what would stop people from doing that? What would stop other agents? Yeah. Uh, thinking that they it's going to be a waste of time. Thinking people are going to steal their business model. Yes. Uh, I, who knows? There's millions of excuses, but sunken cost versus opportunity cost. Yes, team. Yeah. Which we spent a whole on a mastermind call we do. We spent a whole call talking about the difference between sunken cost and opportunity cost. Where I'm focused on the sunken cost of time and money, but I'm not thinking about what it's costing me in the long run. So I had a conversation with a dude. I'm pointing because it was next door. I was at a pool party, and he owns like I don't know seven or eight Airbnbs, and it produces a meaningful income. It's a six figure income. Uh, and we're at the pool party and he's talking about it and it's a straight up job for him. Like he does everything. He does all the bookings. He, you know, changes the furniture for the different uh, seasons. He does all the maintenance. Like it's, it's a straight up job. Yeah. And then he says to me, he's like, well, I could sell all those because the prices have gone up so much. Like I could sell them and make like a, a lot of money. I said, well, why don't, first of all, why don't you hire a manager? He's like, I don't like to give people money. I'm like, mm. <laughs> sunken cost. The second one, he said to me, he's like, and I'm like, well, why don't you just sell it, extract all the money and go put it in something? Cause it would be a meaningful amount that produces five or 6%. You want to do anything. Yeah. You know what he said to me? He was like, well, you know, like, uh, you know, again, like, I don't know what I would do with my time. I'm like, dude, what you're doing is, is you're not valuing your time, right? Yeah. You're so focused. You're overvaluing like the money that you get and you're not valuing your time and your freedom on the other end. Right. So yeah. So to your point, John, like the shift that needs to happen is, is not thinking like a technician. Yeah. And thinking like a technician is, is what does Kiro and John need to do? Instead is what do I need to build and how can I create SOPs? So somebody else does it. Yep. And then I can plug somebody in, right. Uh, who at a reasonable amount who can do that for me. And then that frees me up, creates more opportunity. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So then uh, any kind of, last tips or suggestions about somebody who's interested in pursuing, you know, a team of VAs. So I, I mean, one, one thing I, I would say is hire some, just hire somebody, hire somebody that, you know, uh, you know, your gut, you have a good gut feeling about them and, invest the time. And, you know, like we said, interview a few people at once, train a few people, record the trainings so that you can share it with other people down the road. You don't have to have that conversation twice. That's something you and I have been talking about a lot. Um, you know, um, 
make SOPs like the, the you know standard operating process um, so that they can refer to it. So again, you don't have to have those conversations twice. Um, there's sites like Upwork where it literally records their screen. Those people that are worried, are they actually working? It records their screen every two minutes or three minutes. It shows you a screenshot so you can see they're working. You can pay them with a credit card. You don't have to get involved in all this crazy wire, money wires. Um, a couple of things we've learned is like, make sure they have a good internet speed, right? Don't just assume that everybody like in the US has high quality internet. A lot of these people are working with much lower speeds. So do a, sh a, sh a screen share and make them show you their screen and their speed. You know, make sure that they actually have some infrastructure, right? Like, I mean, if you're going to want them doing Zoom calls with you every morning for the role plays, they need to have a camera. A lot of people don't have cameras, you know, uh, headset, microphone, whatever it is. Like, these are questions that, you know, you might think that everybody here in the U.S. uses every day, but those are things that you definitely want to, um, you know, ask them. And for me personally, knowing that I have, you know, a virtual assistant starting tomorrow at eight o'clock, I'm like, well, I better have a long list of stuff for them to do, right? Ongoing projects, daily projects, just because I'm the kind of person where I'm like, if I'm paying somebody and they're just sitting there saying, well, what can I work on? It, it just kills me. So I'm like, that's the sort of thing that gets me up earlier. And I'm like, I can't have them sitting there doing nothing. And, and trust me, when you, when, you know, when you put a gun to your head and say, I have to come up with ideas, there's all those things that you've been meaning to do, building out your Instagram, building out your CRM, you know, improving your website, all that stuff. Yeah. So. And the awesome thing about VAs is that uh, Angel actually said it, which I thought was really insightful. He said, most of us are chronically understaffed. And with VAs, you can actually be overstaffed. Yeah. You know, even if you don't like, you know, really need them at the moment. And he said, and when you do that, because they're so cost-effective, you, everything gets better. <laughs> Even if you don't do more deals, like everything gets more efficient because you have more hands that are, you know, touching things. And to your point, Kiro, the consumer gets a better experience. Any last suggestions from you, Kiro? Um, it's, uh, I don't know how to say it politically correct, but um, because they're miles and thousands of miles away, they're still human, right? Um, a lot of the times when we're talking to people, you'll get scammed, right? Um, you'll, you know, a lot of scurry will go around. However, there are some that are great and amazing, right? Um, and those are the ones that you need to pinpoint and keep in value. Um, you know, we, we know what some of their kids' aspirations are. One wants to be like an astronaut and one wants to be like a flight attendant. So it's like really the ones that are good, you value and you give them the recognition and you take care of them. And then you share the mission, vision, and a plan. And then they buy in 100% and then they're able to build around it. I think the best form of flattery for us is when family members and cousins and everything else are being kind of like encouraged to join the team because they know that they're going to get taken care of, you know? Yeah. Like the one guy that's been with us five years, he's introduced us to his cousin who's now been with us two years. Yeah. He's an rock star too. You know, in our top two, uh, both of their wives have been involved in some shape yeah. or form, whether it was just like doing skip tracing, you know, more data entry stuff. Um, recruiting. Recruiting. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, sometimes it's, Hey, we need somebody who can do social media. Other times it's like, Hey, you know, my wife's like her, her past history is like, you know, let's just say social media or whatever. And we're like, well, we need some social media. What can she do? And we sit down with her because we trust her already. It's like, you know, it's, it's worked that way. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, I think a lot of them realize, you know, 
we're trying to align our goals with theirs and we will gladly pay them more money, whether it's through a bonus because they've introduced us to a seller or they've uncovered a lead. Um, so they're paid in direct correlation to the value that they bring, right? So the overall picture is, is if you can help us get from here to here, we're happy to pay you in a bonus or we're happy to, you know, increase your hourly rate if, if, if it's justified. Right. So, and that's, that's the reason really, really why we all became agents, right? Cause we were sick of working for somebody where you, you know, you're busting your ass more and more hours a day and you didn't see any more upside. These guys, we've, we've said, Hey, listen, it, it's full disclosure. We're all leveraging each other, right? We're leveraging you guys to help us. And at some point, if you can improve, you could be the VA manager, and then you could have some other virtual assistants under you, and then you'll leverage other people, right? So it's it's all about how can we work and do this together and, and, and work towards a common goal. Yeah, I love that, bro, because it's like, ultimately, like, as I grow more, I can give more. And my universe has to be big enough in which people that are within it, they can ascend. The people that are talented, they can ascend within my universe. Otherwise, what will happen is they'll leave. Yeah. So it's really yeah. awesome to hear that you guys like have a heart of that. I can't wait to see when you guys go take a trip and uh, hang out with them over there. You know what I mean? Uh, and, <laughs> we, and, uh, and have dinner yeah, with them. Like, hey, time, it'll, be, it'll, it'll be the team meeting, but just live. So if people want to connect with you guys, if they want to find you, if they want to send you referrals, how can they uh, reach you? Lighthouseresidential.com um, or 201-500. What's the last four digits of our number? Well, that's the office line. Give yourself one. Oh, 201-312-7708. 201-312-7708. Call me, call me, call me. There you go. <laughs> hey, Annie gave you the radio voice for that. So listen, gentlemen, I appreciate you taking the time. I know I've enjoyed myself. Hopefully you have. I feel like the audience is going to get tremendous value. If you've liked this episode, if you've enjoyed it, smash that like button, hit the subscribe button, and uh, look forward to uh, reconnecting with you guys soon, okay? Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Aaron. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.